first reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 6, which you'll find on page 1069 of the New Testament. John 6, verses 1 to 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he has said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading today is James 2, starting at verse 14. And this can be found on page 1214, 1214 of the Church Bibles. James 2, starting at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But if someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. This is the word of the Lord.
Good morning, everyone. I'm using the large um, print edition today so that I can definitely read it, see it, I mean. Um, I'd like to invite you this morning to try to picture this scene um, in John where Jesus feeds 5,000 people at least. Um, and so let's just pray, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you that whilst we are together, you are here with us. And we pray that you would take us into your word, that it might live in our hearts. Amen. So, we're going to be on the shores of Lake Galilee. Now, I've never been to um, Israel or to Galilee. I know some of you have. Um, so you can put me right, but uh, thanks to Google and uh, <laughs> Google Maps and all the rest of it, I've kind of been there in a virtual sort of way. And it's a very large lake, um, so I want you to picture that, this very large lake which was used um, for fishing, for, for providing food for people. And... Um, Around the edge of the lake are mountains, particularly along the eastern side. And the lake, as we know, is big enough that there can be storms there, as we know those stories too. And we know that most of the disciples were fishermen, that's how they earned their living, so they were very familiar with that place. But there's something about um, not just the working area and the place where people lived and settled, um, but the mountains that draws Jesus. There's something about that, going into the wild, uh, going up higher, that, that he feels, must feel in his heart. It's a way of being closer to God. And I know, and I'm sure that all of us, when we find ourselves out of the city sometimes and in the countryside, uh, walking through places like the, the Valley of of rocks near Lee Abbey and places like that on the coast that we also feel that we can almost breathe in God and God the creator and the beauty and majesty of what has been created the world we live in and so at this point um, Jesus takes the disciples with him to the other side of the lake and goes up the mountains which aren't as high as Snowdonia they are 2,000 feet high in fact um, but quite high and he and the crowd follow him although he doesn't seem to notice that so I'm not sure whether they follow him across the lake in a sort of uh, fleet of boats unlikely or wander around the, the, the um, shore and he doesn't seem to notice them to begin with and his purpose seems to be to perhaps teach the disciples to pray so he finds somewhere to sit down and he looks up and sees this enormous crowd of hungry people coming towards him. And we know that the time that we're nearing Passover. And I think it's also worth being aware at this point of the political landscape at the time, that actually the ruling party, well, it wasn't like today, but uh, were the Romans, so the invaders, um, below them were the Sadducees, who were the religious group. Um, so they had a lot of power, and they were very keen. I'm sure they got a lot from the Romans. Then below them, you had the landowners, 
And what was happening at this time was people being taxed more and more and more. So if you only uh, owned a very small piece of land, you often had to sell it. And then you became a labourer because you no longer had land, so you became a hired worker. And we read a lot about those people, don't we, in the, um, the Gospels. And if that failed and you couldn't work for any reason, you became a beggar. And so that was kind of the situation. And we know that people were frustrated by that and by the, the domination of the, of the Romans. I suppose a bit like the recent elections, actually. Um, at which point I probably have to tell you a funny story that on Friday, Ben Howlett was here. He came to the um, school's opera that we put on with the school from Trowbridge. And thank you, those of you who came. And, uh, but what I, what I have to say is that a lot of teachers um, aren't very pleased about the new government. Um, and so it was that one of my teachers in particular was very unhappy when she woke up. I can see she wasn't alone. Was very unhappy when she woke up um, after the election to find out that um, to find out the the Conservatives were in power. She was so unhappy that she cried. In fact, she says. So when I told her that um, that Ben Howlett was coming to the opera, she was very unhappy. So I had to rehearse with her in the staff room at school how she might greet him. You see. So we had to practice, and she found it very difficult. So I said, come on. So I'm Ben Howlett. You're you. You know, come on. So hello, and I've introduced, you know, this is Ben Howlett, the, the new MP for Bath. And she said, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't speak to him. So we tried a bit more, and somebody suggested that maybe she should congratulate him on his, you know, victory as well. So eventually she shook my hand, and she said, um, um, hello, Mr. Howlett, and congratulations on getting a third of the votes. <laughs> anyway, when she did meet him, she did very well, I'm pleased to say. And I suppose that, um, that if we look at the congregation here, and, and we take you as the, as the constituents of, of Bath, um, then a fifth of you wouldn't have voted at all, and of the remainder, a third of you did vote for the Tories, and the other two-thirds weren't sure what to do. <laughs> Possibly, I don't know. Um, and it's good that we don't know, isn't it? Really good. Because it, it can lead, this who's in charge can lead to people feeling very, very strongly, and a lot of emotions come out with that. And this is before there was a democracy. So people were feeling very unhappy with people in charge, very unhappy with seeing increased poverty, increased hunger, and it's interesting that the people are following Jesus across the lake, it says, because they had heard and they knew about him healing people. So there's something there about our health and improving our health. And I won't make a connection with the National Health Service in that, but you can see there was a lot of disgruntlement amongst the people at this time, and they followed Jesus. And so Jesus is sitting on a bank high up on the other side of the lake, and he sees this crowd of people. It appears to suddenly see them coming towards him. And what do you do? And there's 5,000 men, it says, and in other Gospels it says that didn't include women and children. So we know there were more than that. Um, so what do you do? And Jesus says this really interesting thing in verse 5. He says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
which is an which is an odd thing to say, really, isn't it? When you if you imagine yourself halfway up Snowdon and and there's lots of people coming, well, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? Because people do need to be fed. Um, and Philip is the one who, um, well, he, he talks to Philip, and Philip replies to this. Now, I, I'm loving Philip as a result of reading this. Philip is the, appears to be the disciple who has a lot to do with the organization of their journeys. So he's a bit like the, the kind of roadie organizer. And he's obviously a very, very carefully organized person, systematic and knows what to do. And I think at this point, Jesus is kind of ribbing him a bit. It says that he tricks him. Um, in other um, versions, it talks about testing. It's the same word that's used um, when, we, when uh, Jesus um, is tempted by the devil, so the word tempt. So for some reason, Jesus says this to Philip, you know, where are we going to buy food for them all? And Philip, appearing to be quite a left-brained sort of person, then works out how much that's going to cost so he has to take the time to do the maths. So we can do the maths, can't we? There's 5,000 people. And if we say it's three pounds a head, then that's going to be, well, I'm, I can't do it when I'm looking at you. I could do it when I was at home. <laughs> it's, going to be, it's going to be a lot of money. <laughs> oh dear funny that. Um, anyway, so here's, a, here's a good mathematician around here. That Yes, Nicola. Nicola. So I've got to 15 something, haven't I? 15,000. 15,000 pounds. That's a lot. Three pounds a head. That is a lot of money. It was probably a bit less than that because it says that was half of a um, half of a person's salary for the year. So it was probably less than that. Um, but he actually sits down and works it out. And then you can kind of imagine from that, we'll need to take you and you and you, you know, and we need to hike off across back to the other side of the lake to gather up with all the money that we haven't got, you know, and, and sort of work it all out. It's interesting that, that he responds like that, I think. And it's interesting that this word that Jesus is testing him because he wants Philip to respond like that. It's really good teaching technique, actually, to get someone to do those calculations and to work it out and then to come to the conclusion, but actually that's far too much money. We don't have enough, so it's impossible. What are we going to do? And now I want you to think about this little boy. Now, this little boy, all he has with him, it would seem, are five barley loaves and two fish. And I've, I actually went and bought for, um, some, some loaves and fish and sort of looked at it. It seems quite a good lunch, a sort of picnic size, really, to me. Quite well balanced. It's the only thing it's lacking is fresh fruit and vegetables in there. Um, but otherwise, it's not bad, actually. So somebody loved that little boy to give him a lunch like that. Five loaves. You're agreeing with me, Mike, I can see. Five loaves and two fish. That is not a bad lunch. I don't, you know, they may have been bigger than sardines, maybe like mackerel or something. So a good, a good dinner. Maybe he had somebody with him, because there does seem to be quite a lot. Maybe he had a little sister with him. What was he doing, though, on his own, on the other side of a lake at this point in the day? That's a bit strange, isn't it? So it made me wonder 
How had he wandered off? And, and he was very determined, he must have been very determined to have been close to where the action was happening. Because in this crowd of 5,000, he is at the front of it. Now, having spent a lot of time with children, I can tell you there are those when you go off for a walk who hang back chatting with their friends and arrive quite a long time after everybody else, you know, and we're there as teachers chiving them along. And there are those who don't want to miss a thing who are right at the front and you have to keep saying to them, walk behind me because they're zooming on ahead. So I think this child is one of those. He's really, really eager. Maybe he has his little sister with him in tow. That's why he's got so much food. I mean, it's not a lot of food. It's only five little loaves of bread and two fish. But maybe, maybe that's why. Um, but he's zoomed on ahead. He doesn't want to miss out. He doesn't want to miss out. Maybe because he's heard of Jesus healing people, maybe there's someone at home who needs healing and there's no money for the doctors, like the woman with, who was hemorrhaging, who'd spent all her money on doctors and as a last resort reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' gown. Maybe, there was, maybe for some reason, but whatever reason, that little boy wanted to be at the front and he got there. And he, heard, he must have heard this conversation, mustn't he? He must have heard um, all these people that need to be fed. And something inside him just thought. I mean, this isn't unusual, actually. This is very normal. But this is where us as adults, to be honest, we don't value children enough. He thought, well, I've got five rolls here and two fish. And he tells Andrew, he must have told Andrew, it doesn't say he does, but he must have told Andrew, you know, look, I've got this. Because that's what children do. I've got this. They don't see, particularly, that there are actually 5,000 people and you've only got five little rolls and two fish. They don't see that. They just see, I've got something I can help. Because children want to help. They want to be part of what's happening. They want to, they want to make a difference. They really do. Now, this is the amazing thing. Andrew doesn't say what I think 90% of us would say, maybe 95% of us would say, well, look, don't be ridiculous. Yes, now, now, sit down, shh, be quiet. Okay, you're interrupting. Philip is doing his calculations. Shh. <laughs> Doesn't say that. Andrew hears what this little child says. Five, <laughs> sorry, he must have thought it funny, I don't know. But anyway, yes, you've got five loaves and two fish. I'll have a word. So, if you look there... Um, Another of the disciples. So it's as though, you know, Jesus sent out this challenge, hasn't he? Um, how are we going to buy enough food for all these people, 5,000 plus people? Philip's very, very careful and considered answer has failed. So Andrew now has a go. It's almost as though Andrew is one of those people who doesn't like to say their idea until someone else has tried something and it hasn't worked. You know, there's people who come in second. It's almost one of those. So um, Philip's had a go, so he now says, verse 9, <clears throat> excuse me, he probably says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. <laughs> and then he just adds, in order in a sense to keep his adult 
um, sense of importance, you know, that I'm not stupid, by the way. He then adds, but how far will they go among so many? <laughs> I think this is wonderful, wonderful. It has to be true because it's so uh, human, isn't it? And Jesus then says, well, have the people sit down. I think that, again, is... You've got a lot of people who've come a long way who are hungry. Hungry and angry go together. Some children confuse hungry and angry. And, and actually, my, I, don't know, I don't know if it's a, men, a, a male thing, but sometimes if people get grumpy, you feed them and then they're all right. Yeah? So, <laughs> you found that. <laughs> so, th there's an interesting connection there. So, he then says, well... Get the people to sit down. Now, that is classic school management of small creatures. You've got lots of people who are saying, I want some of that, I want a fish, I want a fish, I want a little bit of that piece of little piece of bread. And then what you have to say is stop talking, sit down, okay, because once you've got them sit, sat down, you have some semblance of order, okay? So it gets them all to sit down. And in this place where there was plenty of grass, which suggests on this mountainside there's a steep bit and then there's one of those lovely grassy areas. And I didn't say earlier, but because it was Passover, coming up to Passover, we're, we have an idea we're in the springtime. So lovely new green grass. So they all sit down there. And then um, about 5,000 men there were. And then verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, the five little loaves, gave thanks, thanked God for this tiny little offering from this little child, said thank you for those, and then started to give them out. Now, that's amazing. And there was so much that they gathered up baskets full at the end. It's, a, it's one of those amazing miracles, isn't it? I don't want to ruin the miracle at all, but when I lived in Durham, David Jenkins was the bishop then. He was very unpopular, and York Minster was struck by lightning. But um, it was bad. Um, but, and he didn't believe, you know, you'll remember he was famous because he didn't believe in the virgin birth, and he sometimes questioned the miracles. But there is something about this miracle, I think, I'm very, you know, I believe what it says. Jesus gave thanks for the bread and he gave it out. But it's also possible, isn't it, that because that one little child took out what they had in their pocket, don't you think this is also possible, that other people who were there took out what they had in their pockets as well? That one person being generous and almost offering something ridiculous for, to feed all these people just a tiny, tiny little thing that other people did the same. And that the miracle was that Jesus fed 5,000 people, but the miracle could also be, as well as, that Jesus transformed people's hearts as well, so that they also gave from what they had. Isn't that also possible? Another little miracle. I'm not saying that's what it says, by the way, but, and it did make David Jenkins very unpopular. Um, <laughs> But I can see that because once one person steps forward and is brave enough to do so, other people feel able to do the same. And so um, that right at the end there, you can see that nothing was wasted. All these loaves were gathered up. Um, 
And then the people started to say, surely this is the prophet who came into the world. And Jesus knew, verse 15, that they intended to come and make him king by force, so he withdrew to a mountain by himself. Now the Passover, in Passover, it's shared bread, but also there's that moment, isn't there, where the child goes to the door to open it to see if Elijah's there. Because Passover is remembering that they, the Jews, escaped from Egypt. They escaped from the tyranny of oppression by uh, by the king of Egypt. And it's remembering their liberation. And it's also hoping and looking forward to a time when Elijah will come back. So it's no coincidence at all that this is Passover. And no coincidence at all, really, that these people now being fed and now being together have great hope for something for the future, that everything's going to be all right. Everyone's going to be fed. No one's going to be hungry. Everyone's going to be well. And they think, this, they think this is it. He's going to be our king. And they're missing what Jesus is. They're missing who Jesus is, that Jesus is God, and that he wants to rule in our hearts. The little boy somehow saw that. Andrew somehow saw that, that this is about... The little boy already had Jesus as king of his heart, really. I want to help you, and I want to help you with your kingdom. But it's not the same as a ruler. It's not the same as Ben Howlett or anyone like that. Okay, something much, much greater that we're still looking for and still building. It's amazing. But I want to ask you, finally, to think about what little thing you might have that is small, which you might think, well, it's ridiculous, you know. I've got this tiny little gift, this little thing I could do. This experience that I have, this knowledge that I have, this little bit of money in this account that I don't know what to do with, but it's ridiculous. It's not gonna make the slightest bit of difference to changing, to helping St. Swithin's in its, its mission, to helping people in the township there in South Africa. But actually, this story is telling us they will make a difference, can make a massive difference. But you need the faith of that little boy, or you need to be like Andrew to hear the faith of that other person and share it with everyone else. And if we can do that, really and honestly, great things will happen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for that small boy and his, his little lunch, his little packed lunch that he had, and that he was brave enough to offer it to you, and that Andrew was brave enough to not be swayed by the thought that this seems silly, but to pass that information on so that so many were fed. Lord, help us, each one of us, not to be afraid to offer the small things that we have, which can make such a big difference. In Jesus' name, amen.